Thanks so much for listening to the Clifton Church of Christ sermon podcast. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and we hope if ever you're in Clifton, Texas, you'll stop by and say hello. We hope you enjoy this sermon. Good morning, everybody. It's great to see y'all and thankful to to have y'all here on this beautiful day. I am uh, particularly uh, thankful that, uh, as many of you have said, thankful for the rain uh, that we received in a colder version recently. Um, but uh, I, I love, I know I've said this before, I love that when we pray for things like rain, often when we look at our weather app, we think, well, you know, we knew it was going to rain. Or uh, I saw it in a few days ahead. And it was, but we can never forget that whenever we spend time asking God for rain and rain comes, not to say, hey, looky there, we prayed for that and rain came. You know what I mean? It's often easy for us to say it as like, oh, well, you know, we're, we're going to keep praying for rain. And well, the weather app shows it's coming in a few days. So, you know, but no, we, we keep got it. We got to remember that. So something that I would like to work on in my life as a person, something that I'm not very good at that I really wish... Uh, I could get better at is I struggle with the fact that I define my day and maybe even my life by how productive of a person I am. My value is determined by how much I get done and not other things. So I always remember when I was in college, I would ride my bike to different places around campus, maybe from work to a class or something, and I'd always talk on the phone to my mom while I rode. I'd put in my headphones call my mom or call my dad and talk. And it might be like six minutes or whatever, but that was kind of a way to check in. And when she'd ask me, how are things going? I would do what most of you probably do. I would say, well, things are pretty good. I did good on my test. Productive. Well, I got a lot done at work. Productive. How many of you, when someone calls you and says, how's your day going? Your answer is determined by how much you've gotten done that day, right? For a lot of us, that's how we define anything. Um, I, I would say, for me, I would often go, well, pretty good. I made, Catherine, I come in for lunch. Drew, how was your morning? Pretty good. I, I got work done on my sermon. I got to go to the high school, to the FCA. I got to visit so-and-so, and I was productive. She, I, I could have said, you know, my heart beats good, or, you know, my, my uh, pulse is uh, where it should be. My blood pressure is great. But no, I, I answer based on this is how much I've gotten done. And most of us, we are, I, I especially imagine if you grew up in rural uh, Texas, we typically just say like, if I'm not being productive right now, I don't want to be doing this. It's wasting my time. I, I'm going to get in, be productive, get out. Right? Nod your head. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Some of you are like, yeah, and uh, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. Well, I think, sadly, what happens sometimes when we do that is we start to define ourselves as people that we are only have value in what we bring and not just the fact of who you are. You following me? You are more than what you do. You are not defined just by what you do. But often we live in this productivity culture where if I'm not getting anything out of it, if I'm not accomplishing anything, it's not worth it. And the reverse is sadly true. Oftentimes, if people are doing something for us, we immediately assume it's because they're wanting something to get done, right? If Catherine were in bed, and let's say Marshall is like 16, and he comes in with flowers. Here we go. If Marshall comes in with flowers, how many of you think he probably just got in a car wreck, right? Or he just got a ticket, right? Like, like, uh, you're being awful nice. You must be trying to accomplish something, right? You following me? When we have, if, if our neighbor were to do something nice for us, sadly, our first instinct is, hmm, they're trying to get on my good side. Or, you know what I mean? They're trying to accomplish something. 
And so one of the things that is just always going to be around this topic of prayer, it's always going to be there, is the question of, when I pray, this does not feel very productive, okay? I may do it sometime this series, but there's a, a meme, uh, if you know what a meme is, a picture that's really popular. It's a picture with words, and it's, uh, it's after a lot of the hurricane stuff happened in Texas, and it shows a picture of an 18-wheeler with the back of it open with nothing in there, and it says, the thoughts and prayers have arrived in Texas. <laughs> People, I'm sending my thoughts and prayers. And the joke is, well, I'd really like you know, food, or I'd really like warm clothes, I'd really like help. But I believe, if you're like me, I believe in reading the room here, most of us, when we pray, we do not feel like we are being unproductive. Most of us have grown up and believe at some place in our heart that when we pray to God, there is something that is happening there, and it's not just going into the wind. It's not just a waste. Okay? You all following me? What I'm going to talk about today, though, is I am going to talk about a form of prayer, a way, uh, something I would like to encourage you to start doing with your prayer life that is going to feel unproductive. Most people in the world often feel like prayer in general is unproductive. But then there are some of us who do think, you know what, I, I think it is productive. However, those of us who think it's productive often focus most of our prayer life on requesting things from God. And I'm going to encourage you to add something to your tool belt today, something that you pray to God about that will feel especially unproductive. And what I'd, I'd like you to think about is I'd like you to see that um, when we look at this form of prayer that we, fairly, that we rarely use because it doesn't feel productive, you're actually going to see that the beauty of this prayer might in fact be that there is no productivity about this type of prayer at all. So for the next three weeks in our series, we are going to be looking at uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, resources for our prayer lives, which is the book of Psalms. I've spent most of this series so far in the New Testament. For the next three weeks, we're going to be in the book of Psalms. And the book of Psalms is full of all sorts of prayer language. And I'm going to focus on three types. I'm going to focus on Thanksgiving prayers, on lament prayers, and for today, I'm going to focus on prayers of awe. A-W-E, of awe. And all of us, I think, can think of times in our life where we have experienced awe at something. For some of you, if you've gone and seen the Grand Canyon, or you've seen Niagara Falls, you are in awe of that. Or you've seen the Rocky Mountains, you're in awe. For some of us, it's whenever you heard some beautiful music. Um, if you've ever been to a, an orchestra concert, or you've ever been to some really prestigious musical, or you, you hear it and you're just in awe that people are capable of that. I said it, I think, a couple weeks ago. When I even just see someone play the guitar and sing at the same time, I'm kind of in awe that they're physically able to do that. Um, some of you have been in awe at how delicious food is. If you've never had Beverly Gloff's roast, you will be in awe when you try that. I still remember when we had Marshall, Beverly brought it over to our house. Catherine and I sat down and I tried it. And I was like, Catherine, this is like, not to say anything about your roast. <laughs> But this is maybe the best roast I've ever had. And she was like, oh, okay. And then she said, and she was like, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing roast. We're in awe, okay? Um, for some of you, it may be someone's dessert that you're in awe of how good it is. And others of you, probably the first thing you thought of when you thought of moments where you were just in awe was when you held a little baby for the first time, just in awe that, that God gave you the, the, the freedom, the ability, the right to get to hold your child. And we all know 
what it looks like to feel utterly amazed by something when we are speechless. Yes, even I can sometimes be speechless, uh, believe it or not. There are some videos. I, I thought about playing some, but it would have been too hard to figure it out. But I encourage you to look it up. There's some really cool videos of people who are born colorblind where they've made these glasses that you can buy that you put on that will show you color. And all you see them do is, you know, the family, what they'll do is they'll have a box and they'll put the glasses on the person. They're like, all right, you ready? And they'll open the box and it's full of colorful balloons. And literally the person is speechless, just like, because they've never seen those colors before. And their children are saying, this is red, this is blue, and they're in awe. Or they're even more, you know, get some Kleenexes with you whenever you do this. But there are also some amazing videos you can look up of people like babies that they haven't been able to hear. They're basically deaf and they get their hearing aids installed or they get some, and, and the baby immediately starts to get excited and laugh and, and hear their parents' voice for the first time. And you're in awe of, wow, this is what sound is like. In the Psalms, we see all sorts of moments when the psalmist is just trying their best to put to words the indescribable and incomprehensible nature of God and how in awe they are of Him. So the first, we're going to look at four examples of awe in the Old Testament Psalms. And the first one is awe of God's power. And for this, we're going to be reading from Psalm 29, a really awesome psalm. Notice how I said it's an awesome song. Okay, all right. I've never understood that. Awesome is like, wow, that's awesome. Some awe, but awful. You would think that would be like full of awe, but awful is like bad. I don't get that. Come on, English. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. But, okay. Psalm 29, a psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. If you haven't picked up on it yet, the psalmist is describing how when God's voice speaks, you see in nature, it's like a thunderstorm arriving. And if you've ever been in a real thunderstorm before, you know like you're in awe of the power of God. When you've stood at the ocean before and seen the waves coming, you're in awe of the power of God. And this is of a thunderstorm is coming in over the waters and now it's breaking through the breaking through the trees, and trees are cracking. And how many of you had a tree crack from ice? That sound of a tree cracking from the wind blowing through, and now the lightning is striking. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in His temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as King forever. The Lord gives strength to His people, and the Lord blesses His people with peace. The, the psalmist here, Psalm of David, he just, when he hears that thunderstorm come through, he just is in awe of the power of God. Also, another thing that the psalms show us is this awe of God's beauty. Psalm 27, verses, verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. All I'm asking, oh, all I'm asking for, God, is that I could just look at your face and marvel at your beauty. I'm in awe of your beauty. 
awe of God's compassion. Um, we've we've recently done I've recently done a sermon on Psalm eight, but it's never too it's never a problem to revisit it. Um, but it says, "Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory in the heavens." Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, I am in awe of them. But I'm even more in awe of what is mankind that you are mindful of us, human beings that you care for them. I'm in awe of your compassion, that in all of your grandeur, you're still willing to take the time to care about us. I'm in awe of that level of compassion. And then the last one, one that I think maybe summarizes all of them, is a word that you maybe don't use a whole lot, but awe of God's hiddenness, God's unknowableness. Psalm 113 is a great place to see this. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? We are people who really, all of us as people, really like things to be very cut and dry. Um, because if we're able to see them cut and dry, we're able to hold it in our mind clearer. Um, they, I, I looked over and I just thought of this example, but budget sheets. Some of you can't stand budget sheets. Some of you, budget sheets is the world you live in. But it's a good accountant's job, it's a good financial advisor's job to be able to take all the weirdness of a budget sheet uh, and able to show it to you in a way that you're like, oh, I get it. I see. We're in debt. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, oh, I get it. We need to start saving more. Oh, I see. We need This is a problem. And take something that is kind of, that stuff is confusing to me, and make it digestible. And one of the things that's, this is something that is not a great part of our Church of Christ heritage, is that we believe that Every single inch of the Bible is something where if you just read it and you just have common sense, you're going to be able to understand it. And yet Scripture is profoundly, profoundly trying to say on every page, you can spend your whole life trying to figure out God and you are never going to be able to understand and know the incomprehensible, the uncomparable, indescribable magnitude of our God. Don't make an idol out of Him because no idol will ever do justice to Him. Don't put Him in a box. Because he's so big. And part of why we like these things to be understandable, we, not to control them, like to make them do what we want, but in some ways to kind of feel like we have some control. If I can understand this, I feel like I'm a little in control. But the second we start to be in awe of just how much we can't understand God, we realize just how little control we have. Part of the scary and beautiful thing that we call living this life with Jesus is how little we can comprehend, how little we can understand and control God. So much of who He is is beyond our ability. His love is deeper and wider than we can ever imagine. This uh, incomprehensibleness, or the word I use, this hiddenness of God, is often something where um, when we pray, there is a there's an aspect of it where we come knowing that we're never going to be able to understand Him, and yet He still wants us to. And so this is, this is, the, uh, this is the thing where I'm going to wrap up all of these together. Part of why I'm in awe of God's power is I just can't comprehend God's power. Part of why I'm in awe of God's justice is I can't comprehend it. Part of why I'm in awe of God's mercy is I can't comprehend Him continually forgiving us all the time. Part of why I'm in awe of God's beauty is I can't grasp the love at which we see on display 
through His Spirit in the world. You following me? And so all of these awe moments of the Psalms really can be boiled down to an awareness of just how much we cannot grasp who our God is. And so the summary of this, in my opinion, is it may not sound all that special, but spending time in prayer expressing how little we comprehend God is in fact worshiping God. Let me say that again. Spending time in our prayer life telling God just how much we can't comprehend Him is in fact worshiping Him because we are admitting that we cannot control Him, we are admitting that we cannot grasp Him, and that there is beauty and majesty and wonder in that unknowing, in that hiddenness. So the first, you know, if you're a note taker, I think my only big bold letters for this sermon is make awe a part of your prayer life. We need to make a regular part of our prayer diet. Yes, I think a part of our prayer diet is requests. Yes, part of our prayer diet is thanksgiving. Yes, I want that in your, your prayer pyramid. Maybe I should make one of those. You know, you got the, the candy on top and the vegetables on the bottom. Let's make a prayer pyramid. And let's make sure somewhere in that pyramid is awe of who God is and marveling at Him. Even if it feels very unproductive just to tell God how amazed we are at Him. I'm bringing it back to that productive thing. Making a request to God feels productive because hopefully He's going to help me with something. Just telling God how amazing He is does not feel all that productive. You following me? But it's something we need to be doing. I'm going to give you a great New Testament story of how marveling at God, even when it seems unproductive, is exactly what Jesus wants from us. In Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Mary, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, I don't even know, I can't even imagine what this is like. Like, Mary's here in front of Jesus. Jesus is here talking with her. And she's like, hey, uh, Jesus, Lord, my sister, who is, I don't know, is she hearing everything? Or did she, did, he, did she ask Jesus, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to get productive. Start doing something. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. All right. In this story, what's the premise of the story? There are two options. And one of the options is sitting in Jesus' presence and being in awe of Jesus, wanting to spend time with Jesus. Does that feel very productive to you all? But it's the, the better thing in this story. Now, yes, the story right before this in Luke is the story of the Good Samaritan, which is a lot about service, okay? So Luke's not afraid to say both are very important. But in this story here, the person who's just sitting in Jesus' presence is the one that is told is in the, in the right. So as you've probably noticed throughout this series, I am trying to reorient how we perceive the word prayer. If prayer in your mind is synonymous with request, asking something, then you have a very narrow view of it. Some might even say an unhealthy view of it, if that's the only thing you think the word prayer means. Part of our prayers to God need to be we need to have moments in our prayer life where the sole purpose of it is marveling at God. And if you, like me, rarely exercise this prayer muscle, then you're going to have atrophy of this prayer muscle in your life. And 
thankfully, and I've, I've said this before, when I come to, to prayer and I have my moments of going, God, I've been prepping all week for this, this sermon on praying in awe of you. I want to do this right now. I'm having a hard time thinking of words to say. It's so hard for me. It's a lot easier for me to think of words like, be with them, strengthen them, heal them. It's very hard for me to think of words that are like, God, you are incredible. And the Psalms are an incredible resource for you. The Psalms is a place you can turn to to find language, to, to read the Psalms in prayer to God so that it can help us do that. I'm going to make what I would consider two analogies, and then I'll have my final challenge for you. I want you to think about your relationships with either a friend or a spouse or a family member. How would you or they feel if you only interacted with them based on what you got from them out of the relationship? I want you to think about that. Well, they only are my friend whenever they don't have anybody else to talk to. Or they only are sweet to me whenever they're trying to get something from me. Right? That would not be great. This is what we do if all we pray to God is requests. When was the last time you told your spouse that they were beautiful just because you wanted to tell them they were beautiful? When was the last time you told your spouse you were proud of them just to tell them that you were proud of them? When was the last time you told your teacher, this is for the teens, so Carson, when was the last time you told your teacher, thank you, and Samantha, oh, Samantha's in the back, Jacob, thank you for putting up with me. Not, you're doing a great job, teacher, uh, because I'm hoping to get an A on my next test. But just, thank you for putting up with me, being annoying. When was the last time you told your friend that you were so thankful for them? Now here's an analogy that brings it home for me, and I, I maybe should have asked Brenda if I could share this analogy first, but I remember when I went to go visit Tom in his last days, and when I went to visit him, Tom was not in any sort of state where he could say anything to me, or I have any confidence that he heard anything from me. That felt very unproductive if my view of going to visit someone is, well, I'm going to go talk because I'm going to get a lot out of it. Because they're going to hear me and they're going to call their friends and say, Drew came and visited me. That's, that's if I'm going for, to be productive. But you know what I took away from that meeting? Was just because, I think I've heard Melissa say this before, just because they don't remember you doesn't mean you don't remember them. Just because it, it feels like, oh, well, I don't know what I got out of that because he wasn't able to, to talk with me. Brenda constantly, in those last years, went and visited Tom, not because he was giving anything to her as his wife, but because she knew that part of a relationship is saying, I'm going to be in this no matter what I get out of it. Okay, you following me? And Jesus is the best example of this, where he was willing to come to us and say, I'm going to come no matter what I get out of this, right? And so how can we make sure in our prayer life we are approaching God and Jesus and saying, I am amazed at you. I'm thankful for you, at your grace, at your mercy, at your love. Amen. Not, oh, by the way, I've got all sorts of stuff I need you to do for me. You following me? Okay. So the question is, when was the last time you came to God in prayer and just told him you were in awe of him? Thankfully, today, in this service, we have already done that a little bit by breaking bread and drinking from a cup. Because when we proclaim every Sunday that we 
are here being sustained by this, part of what we're proclaiming is our awe that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us and that we cannot live another day without the sustenance that comes from his body and his blood. This is a marvelous, awe-inspiring thing. So my encouragement to you is to try and make this a daily thing. Try to make this an hourly thing where we spend our time recognizing that part of prayer, and the Psalms is going to be our resource, part of prayer is being able to say, God, I don't have anything to ask from you. I just want you to know I'm in awe of who you are. If any of you would like to have any prayer requests where someone, you need someone to be helping you with something, elders are going to be standing at the doors while we stand, while we sing this song.